Welcome to Legal Management Talk, official podcast of the Association of Legal Administrators. I'm your host, Christina Vragovich. Jill Weber and Sally Schmidt are our guests today, discussing how to drive top-line revenue for your law firm. This is a special preview of their session at ALA's annual conference and expo this May 22nd through the 25th at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Welcome, Jill and Sally. Hello. Thank you. Now, both of you have had very successful careers. Can you each tell us a little bit about your professional background in the business of law? Yes, this is Jill Weber. I've been in the legal in legal marketing for 20 years, and I currently serve as the Chief Marketing and Business Development Officer of Stinson Leonard Street, and I'm also the President-Elect of the Legal Marketing Association. And this is Sally. I began my career as an in-house law firm marketing person, much as Jill is now, but I have been consulting to law firms for more than 25 years now, and I've worked with more than 450 law firms. During that time, I've coached over 1,000 individual lawyers on their marketing business development efforts, and I was the president of LMA, but a long time ago. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being with us. Now, Jill, you designed this program called Fast Forward, which in its initial stage helped 20 participants who were attorneys achieve a collective revenue growth of $7.5 million based on a $150,000 investment That's pretty incredible. Tell us about some of the basic philosophy behind this program. Absolutely. Well, this program idea originally came from our firm's managing partner back in 2003. And as a managing partner, he was always looking at opportunities to grow revenue. And he set a dollar goal for himself. He said he wanted to generate an additional $10 million in incremental revenue for the firm. And as he looked at how to go about it, he had this idea that if he could find 20 high potential partners, by that he meant people who had not yet achieved you know, the peak of their revenue growth, but were perhaps earlier in their career, but had the opportunity to grow significantly, and asked each of them to commit to growing their practices by $500,000 each over a two-year period, he would achieve that $10 million in revenue growth. At the time, I was interviewing for the position. Sally actually was the recruiter who helped um, help get me connected with Leonard Street and Dinard at the time. And Uh, as part of the interview process, he asked what I thought, and I said I thought it would be a great idea. And so he said, great, when I hire you, it's up to you to make it happen. And that's how much I had to go with was the goal. So I did a lot of research to identify best practices, and I found that there are legal marketers who are implementing individual tactics. For example, as Sally mentioned, she's coached over a 1,000 attorneys, and that's a very common practice that law firms implement, um, asking partners to put together individual business plans or working with an outside coach. Um, conducting business development training, but often they're just individual efforts, but they're not coming together as part of an integrated system with a really clearly articulated outcome. And I also discovered that most business development coaching is a lonely experience. By that I mean it's an attorney working with a coach, but it's often um, outside of any organized or structured program. And so if I'm being coached by Sally and I'm a partner, she may be giving me great ideas, but I'm not sharing those ideas with anyone else. Um, So there was no best practices or sharing of ideas. It was just an individual attorney and coach relationship. 
So I came up with the idea of a branded comprehensive program that included all of those best practices. So Fast Forward includes a business plan, it includes the coaching, it includes the training, and it includes a peer group. And then we added some incentives, which are more from a traditional sales model. For example, in the first program, any attorney who achieved the half a million dollar target over a two-year period would get a three-night trip to a Ritz-Carlton with his or her spouse. So a bit of a reward trip at the end for um, all of the significant investments they made to achieve the results. We also created a logo and a name. Um, originally, when the managing partner talked to me about it, he referred to it as a top 20 attorneys program, and we decided we needed to have a real brand and package around it, so we named it Fast Forward. We didn't really know what would happen when we started, but at the end of the first two-year program, as you said, we had $7.5 million in incremental revenue growth on a $150,000 investment, and we felt like we had a magic formula. We've continued to implement it, and we've now implemented our sixth two-year program and we've had over 70 partners go through the program. That's awesome. So so this question is for either of you. Who are the ideal candidates for this program? What kind of attorney thrives on this kind of system? Um, I'll start with just a description of what we determined within the firm, and then Sally will share her perspective uh, as a coach working with partners in the program. So within the Perfect. firm, as our uh, firm leadership looked at it, we determined that the ideal candidate would be a partner who demonstrated some business development ability. And that would either be inside the firm, because there are certainly people who haven't yet built books of business, but it's clear that they demonstrate great client service to the partners they serve, as well as the external clients with whom they work. Or they have had some experience in success outside the firm. So they may have great contacts or a network that they haven't capitalized on, involvement in an industry association, or perhaps they have some modest book of business. That they are personally motivated to grow. And one thing we notice is many of these partners may have experienced what we call the valley of despair that many new partners see two to three years into their partnership. And we call it the valley of despair because often they become partners being very, very successful associates with lots of billable hours. But as soon as they become a partner, much of the work that had been handed to them dries up because they have the title of partner and because their fellow partners expect them to be building their own book of business. So they're highly motivated because they've seen this drop off in billable work and they really want it to return. Sally? Well, I agree with everything Jill has said, and I think if I had to pick one thing out of her list, it would be motivation. For me, working with the lawyers, I really want to work with someone who wants to be successful. And what I've found is different people are motivated by different things, of course. For some, it's to make more money, and for some, it's to become an equity partner. For some, they want to control their own destiny. They want to be able to work on the kinds of matters they enjoy in a practice that they want to grow with people that they like. But um, I think the most successful coaches are those who don't just want the accountability piece, which is important, but they don't just want a nudge or a nag. They want ideas. They want structure. They want improvement. Uh, another factor that I think is important is a willingness to try new things or get out of their comfort zones. I, uh, I don't know who said it, but I have this on my wall at work. I've always liked the phrase, if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always got. And that's what I find is people keep doing the same things and expect a different outcome. So what we need is people who are willing to try something new um, and try to see a different result. 
one of the women lawyers that I've been thinking about as we were talking about this um, when we first started working together was loath to even call a law school friend for lunch. And now she's asking her contacts through LinkedIn for introductions and setting up lunches with people she doesn't even know. So you do have to step out of the comfort zone um, to to see different results. So how do attorneys track their success with this approach? How do they measure well, that? Sure. Um, this is Sally. I'll give my perspective. And then Jill, of course, has um, structure within the firm. Uh, you know, as a coach, we look at a number of things. Of course, we track their originations to see if they're generating more business because, after all, that's the goal. And that's done right. through a special monthly report that the firm generates. But I also know that success isn't always measured in terms of new business. Uh, These attorneys are on a continuum, uh, as Jill said. You know, some are coming out of the valley of despair and others have had more success. Mm -hmm. And so we look at other incremental successes. Um, Sometimes we look at how much they've expanded their network of contacts because a wider network leads to more opportunity. Sometimes we look at their success in penetrating a niche market or building their reputation in a practice area they're trying to target. And sometimes we just celebrate getting things done, like uh, submitting an article they've been planning to write, setting up a meeting they've wanted to set up, updating their LinkedIn profiles, or even getting admitted to practice in another state. Jill? Yes. So in addition to the report that Sally mentioned that we produce for both the participants and coaches, we also host quarterly in-person educational sessions for the participants. And When we originally started the program, we um, met more regularly. We tried to meet once a month, and it tended to be more of a one-way presentation of education. Someone like Sally would come in and talk about um, how to most effectively write and execute a business plan, or someone else might come in and talk about how do you create a verbal business card, or someone else might talk about how do you maximize your participation in charitable organizations. And it tended to be a one-way presentation. What we found is... What some of the best education comes from the participants themselves. So when we host these quarterly in-person educational sessions, by shifting it from us presenting, we always have some informative session, but by shifting it to actually letting them talk to each other, we have greater accountability about not only successes and challenges, but also keeping them accountable. So each at each session, they each need to come in with a 10 or 15-minute update on what they've done the prior quarter. And we found that while clearly they need to be accountable to their coach, when they have to be publicly accountable to their peers, that really keeps them focused. Finally, we do track the financial results as well as subjective measures. And one of the things that we'll talk about at the ALA session is how we've implemented rigorous subjective metrics where I interview and we conduct surveys of the participants and we aggregate the results and present that to firm leadership. And in many cases, what you see in those surveys is as important or more important than the financial results because they're focused on the right things. They're doing more one-on-one face-to-face meetings and less speaking engagements where they just fly in and fly out. Okay, so speaking of speaking engagements, um, tell us about the format of your conference session. What can attendees expect, and is there anything they should have top of mind going in, observations from their own firms? 
this is Jill. Uh, what we are planning is to give them really an overview about each of the program components. You know, what, what have we done with our business plan? What do we do with the coaching? What kind of training are we doing in the educational sessions? To give people a flavor of what has worked and what hasn't worked. We'll also share some of the lessons learned and be quite frank about what didn't work. We'll share some quotes from the past program participants about the value of the program. And then we'll also include a top ten, the top 10 takeaways from our perspective that any session attendee can implement at his or her firm after they return. Sally, anything you want to add to that? Well, I think uh, one of the things they might think about before coming into the session is who in their law firm they think would benefit from some sort of a program like this because I think it might be interesting and maybe valuable if, as as we go through the process and the steps, they're actually trying to apply it in their minds to their law firms. Uh, we'll also be presenting some success stories and picking out some of the lawyers that have gone through this program along the way and talk about what they did and how things have worked for them and the results that they've gotten as well. Sounds great. Jill Weber and Sally Schmidt, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us. Again, your session at annual conference is called Fast Forward, Driving Top-Line Revenue for Your Firm, and you can learn more about ALA's biggest event of the year at ac2016.alanet.org. That's ac2016.alanet.org. Thank you so much to our listeners and subscribers out there. Until next time.